It's been a while. The alleys of London were a little empty. Places where we used to gather went quiet. We've gone through a year that tested us, but we're starting to see the promise of a new day. For more than a year, there's one place where we all came together to be entertained, to escape, to go to the heavy side lair. The cat's movie. There's nothing like that moment when the lights go down. The overture begins. And we believe. Welcome to Ineffable, a Cats Movie Podcast. This show is meant as a cozy exploration of the deranged motion picture that is 2019's Cats. Like finding the perfect, sun-filled, three-bedroom apartment after weeks of fruitless searching, seeing at least two dozen units, then applying, hearing you pass the credit and background checks, told it's down to you and two other parties, and then you get it. It's yours. They send over the lease. You start reviewing it. And, okay, it wants you to do all the maintenance and be entirely responsible for any possible pests, bedbugs included, and never, ever sue for any reason. Basically, sell your soul but not get all the perks you deserve for a pretty decent soul. Seriously, there are clauses in here about tenant responsibility and liability that violate multiple California civil codes and that my brother-in-law lawyer had never seen in a real estate contract, maybe in mergers and acquisitions, but never for a three-bedroom. And believe it or not, that was two days ago, but feels like an eternity because I've since seen a perfect West Hollywood apartment where it turns out murders happen, which is really fine, but it's the 21-star reviews of the management company that are not. Then there was the guy who said we need to make three times the rent. I mean, pretty standard, but oh no, not together individually. So you need to be making $11,000 per month, over $110,000 per year. In which case, sir, why am I living with roommates? Why am I getting a three bedroom? And then there was the really nice Romanian landlord who, when I said spiel, just burst out laughing because somehow he hadn't heard Yiddish in so long. So of course I charmed him with schmooze and schlep. But then the common area was just too small. I mean, the bedrooms are nice too, but really you're looking at a view of a wall and not much sunlight and the sunlight only coming from one direction. Ah... Apartment hunting in Los Angeles. I do not recommend it. It is draining away my soul and my time. But we must make time for cats. I'm your host, Joel Arnold, and with me is my co-host, Toast. He is still alive and well, and if you needed an update after last episode, he is not yet murdered by his frenemy Basil, but right now they are in separate rooms for a timeout. In Cats News, Francesca Hayward, who plays Victoria in the movie and holds the whole damn thing together, appears on the cover of the June 2021 issue of Harper's Bazaar UK. She told the publication she tries not to take criticism of the Cats movie personally, and that, quote, I'm not sure what people were expecting. It's a musical about singing cats. 
For this episode, I spoke with Abby on Twitter at clap, if you like me, who hosted a digital weekly watch along of cats that ran from June 2020 to the end of April 2021, just a couple weeks ago. By my count, that's at least 47 viewings of this movie. It's likely much higher. Abby ended the long-running and well-attended watch-along series not because she couldn't take cats any longer, but because this phase of the pandemic is hopefully coming to a close and we might just be able to go out on a Saturday night rather than stay in and watch the same movie every week. We recorded our conversation a few months ago, so you'll hear all about what these watch-alongs were like, but so you still have a chance to experience one of them for yourself, there will be a special watch-along held over Zoom on May 22nd at 9 p.m. Eastern. I had a lot of fun at the watch-alongs I joined previously, watching and chatting with a community made up seemingly equally of cats fanatics and the uninitiated but curious. So if you like what you hear, join us on Saturday, May 22nd at 9 p.m. Eastern. There are more details on Abby's Twitter, at clap if you like me, and in the show notes. And Toast will be there too. All right, let's get to our conversation with Cats Fanatic and organizer of unhinged but beloved pandemic entertainment, Abby. Hello, Abby. Hi. Thank you so much for joining to talk about Cats. Thank you for having me. I, this is my first podcast. Very exciting. Oh, well, that's very much an honor that you would make ineffable your first podcast appearance. We are speaking because you are hosting a weekly, weekly Cats watch along. And, and I just have so many questions about what that's been like for you. I can appreciate that. People, people do tend <laughs> to have questions about what it's like, about my sanity, my life choices, <laughs> what led me to this. Yeah, I, I think, you know, there have been podcasts and like bloggers who have embarked on projects like this before, like the guy who was watching uh, Julie and Julia every day for a year or the uh, the podcast that watches uh, the the Adam Sandler. Um, what is it like? No, it's not Neighbors. It's like, I don't know, it's the one with a bunch of like his old friends and they're like, being doofuses but there are like two of those movies um but they like watch them once a week but with cats yeah i love how people will automatically go to questioning sanity because it's so much more of a deranged experience than i mean to to watch any movie every day or every week is a little odd but cats especially i think would be concerning <laughs> Oh, no. Yeah, no, that's they, they're absolutely right to be concerned. I'm in no way going to disagree with that assessment. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, just backing up to, you know, well before you started this screening series and before you even saw the movie, what was your history with Cats, uh, the property? Before you saw the movie, had you seen the musical? Uh, what was your experience? Uh, I have a vague memory of seeing the 1998 film. I think my parents owned it and I maybe watched it once. I'm obviously familiar with memory, but mm -hmm. that's about it. I never saw the show. I didn't know anything about it until the trailer for the movie dropped last 
whenever it was October, maybe. I think it was. I think that was the second one. We've it might have been July or August was the first one. So we've been with cats. We've been at, with cats for a while. This specific cats for yeah more than a year. Wow, that's so special for us. Uh, <laughs> I watched the trailer because I'm on Twitter and I needed to know what everyone was talking about. It was deranged. I then went to Wikipedia and read the wiki to try to understand what the trailer was about. I left the Wikipedia page no better informed than when I started because Mm -hmm. reading the plot of cats tells you absolutely nothing about cats. Not that seeing cats tells you very much about cats. So my history was pretty much going in cold and I went and saw the movie originally because it was rapidly, almost instantaneously becoming a bit of a meme, the thing to do. It was just so phenomenally bad. You had to see it, right? So my girlfriend and I went in December of last year to go see Cats. I think that's similar to me and also so great just having an interest in seeing whatever this catastrophe was. So what was that first experience like? So I'd read various articles and tweets and I knew that people were not really already I mean it's been out like a week we're already very much not taking this seriously (laughs) unfortunately I saw in Oklahoma with there were like some old people in the theater and that was it and they were taking it seriously so I felt like I had to be on good behavior and not openly heckling (laughs) despite having had a couple of drinks it was one of the the lovely theaters with alcohol So my first experience was a very, by cat standards, somber viewing. And when I came out of it, my response, and I know this because obviously I tweeted it, was, that was the worst movie I've ever seen. I am in genuine awe. (laughs) And then the next day, I said, it's been 14 hours, and I still can't decide if I want to erase it from my brain or watch it eight times. As we know, I went with the latter in the end. Yeah. What do you think it is about the movie that creates that kind of like can't look away feeling? It's just so incredibly, I mean, it's a hundred million dollar Hollywood extravaganza and it's so bad in just almost every possible dimension. The the actors certainly do their best, but there's not much you can do with that. The material, I, I feel like, is maybe not that great to begin with. It's a cocaine-fueled musical based on a racist dude's 100-year-old poems. So that's what you're starting with. And then you're moving on to adding in animation, CGI... I don't, I don't know the technical terms for those tails and those ears. Yeah. Some of it motion capture, some of it invented. They were not wearing tails. They were not, right. They were not wearing tails. Um, and then there were the choices of the things they chose not to add, like noses. <laughs> it would be a lot less disturbing if they had noses, but they do not. Yeah, no little pink noses, no little cat beans on the paws. No. So it's just such a train wreck. My second viewing was with some random people from Twitter, only one of whom I think I knew offline, all getting together on like January 3rd and going to what was just a normal screening at like the local Regal. 
but everyone there was in on the joke. There was massive amounts of heckling. There was a group of theater kids dramatically throwing their arms up at memory. (laughs) It was just the most fun experience. And so then I started going to rowdy screenings. I went to a rowdy screening on my birthday because I'm like that. But I ended up, I had a ticket for my fifth rowdy screening, which (laughs) would have gotten me my little rowdy pin. Oh, there are pins? Oh, I missed that. Yeah, they're giving out pins if you did at least five. I had a ticket for uh, March 14th. Oh, yeah. And that was canceled. That was my first real sign that this was going to be a thing. The Rona was (laughs) getting an email saying your ticket has been refunded because the Alamo shut down. Not even Cats is strong enough to resist the coming storm. They hadn't canceled school yet. Like, I don't understand why they had to cancel Cats. But (laughs) obviously, knowing what we know now, that was the responsible decision. Good work, Alamo. I still still hope you come back so I can have my pin. So, okay, I'm I'm trying to count. Two before the Rowdies. That's seven times. Seven, okay. So I saw it seven times in... Uh, six apologies now i can't count i saw it six times in theaters do you have a rough estimate of how many times you've seen it no (laughs) i know i did at least two other viewings at home prior to starting my weekly screenings uh one by myself live tweeting it and one live tweeting my brother and his partner's reaction so that's eight. And then I started the screenings. And the pinned tweet you have is from August 22nd. Was that the first time or did you start it before no. that? Oh. No, I started, uh, I did the first one June 20th, not intending it to be a weekly thing, just that I was having a few people who wanted to watch it. And I was like, let's do this. And then a bunch of people were like, I wanted to come and I couldn't. So I ended up making it a regular thing. And I think I started the regular ones a couple weeks after that, sort of mid-July. So I've been with a couple of exceptions when I was moving or really busy. I have watched it every Saturday since mid-July. Okay. Yeah. It's, I'm worried, but also very impressed. And by my math, that would put it at around 30, maybe just shy of 30. That's not impossible. (laughs) Okay. So my next question is, uh, how are you doing? (laughs) Uh, Well, I think I'm doing well. I, the last, I don't know, 10 or 15 viewings, it's not like I'm sitting there scrupulously staring at the screen the whole time. I'm also monitoring the chat, sometimes live tweeting my viewers' experiences as they leave comments along the lines of, what the fuck, what the fuck, is this real? Oh no, I hate it. Please stop. The thread you have of comments is uh, really great. Like some people are just like, I'm scared. And someone responds like, as I think we all should be. Right. And I also, I encourage newbies to turn on their cameras because the faces are truly priceless. So (laughs) some of my viewings are less me watching cats and more me watching other people watch cats, which is 
probably the funniest experience you'll ever have. Yeah, you mentioned showing it to friends or siblings. What was that like? I, I agree. I think that's the way to kind of recapture, if they're not familiar, some of the energy of the first viewing. I mean, my brother... My brother's a a Zoomer, so although I think he thinks he's a millennial, but they're already a deeply weird people, <laughs> so I don't know that he properly enjoyed it. So mostly I enjoy showing it to, to other people, experiencing their horror, their shock. There's always a moment in Mungo Jerry and Rumpelteaser when someone goes... What size is anything? What is any of this? How big is anything in this supposed to be? Are they cat size? Are they human size? What's happening? I don't understand. Please help. Uh, I'm not sure what it is about that particular song, but it is, even if they've casually remarked prior to then, like, oh, the scale seems a little weird. Mungo Jerry and Teaser is where they lose it, where it just goes full this is wrong. Did anyone designing any props know any of the other people designing any of the props? Yeah, that, that makes sense. I think maybe that's the moment when you're working with the most differently scaled items, because in, in other scenes, they're in a space, but they might not be interacting with, you know, knives and plates and jewelry. And like the cat paw, like Victoria's hand can hold a knife pretty I mean, a little smaller, but like she can still like grasp it like a human would. But then like she's got what looks to be like an earring, like fully like around her neck. I can see why. Right. It's also the, you know, it's in a house, which is very different from Bustopher Jones, which is in the alley and sort of still more surreal. It's like these are regular human objects. What's going on here? Yeah, and like the dog is unseen, so you're like, hey, how is? Give us some kind of comparison. Is the dog huge? It sounds big and terrifying. Right. We don't know anything about the dog. Um, at a rowdy screening, people repeatedly chant, "Show us the dog," and the dog is never shown <laughs> because Tom Hooper withholds all good things. Yeah. What? Uh, what do you think are some of your favorite parts, and do you have parts? that you dislike the most, whether it be Tom Hooper or, you know, an actor or, or anything else? Uh, I mean, I'm not sure that favorite is a word that one really <laughs> would use here in the context of cats. You know, the favorite song? A favorite song. Uh, I mean, obviously, objectively, the best song is Memory. You know, Jennifer Hudson is in another much better movie. Jennifer Hudson presumably does not know that she has CGI snot dripping down her face. At this point, I really just kind of lean into it, let it roll over me. Cats is just something that happens to you. I guess my favorite song would have to be Skimbleshanks, because Skimbleshanks slaps. I, like all good people, am a Skimbleskank. We love Skimble. <laughs> I've never heard that before. I mean, I guess I'm a skimble skank too, because I love that song. That is probably my favorite. Yeah, I mean, it slaps. What are you gonna do? Like <laughs> we uh we all we all love skimble. And one of my favorite rowdy screening moments was when people just 
got up and started doing like a conga line oh my God. during Skimble, marching around. Oh, that's fantastic. Least favorite. I mean, I have a lot of trouble with Gus the theater cat because it's so sad and I just feel so sad for him. He suffers from palsy. Yeah, why has he not been allowed to, to die or go to the Heaviside Lair I yet? I don't know. I mean, I do know it's because Duty Dench is so horny for him. <laughs> she can't let him go. She's just too horny for him. I'd understand if they like had a relationship. It seems like she's only there once a year, so that is very selfish. I mean, we don't know what their lives are like outside of that. As a lesbian, I'm very familiar with relationships where you only see your partner once a year. <laughs> we love a good LDR. Do you have theories about... So I get the impression that when they say, Old Deuteronomy is coming, like this is novelty, that they don't see her a lot. That's kind of where I come from. But I wonder, what do you think about her presence? And do you have any theories about cat society? Uh, I, I try actively to avoid theorizing too much about cat society for the <laughs> benefit of what remaining sanity I have. Uh, fair, fair. Yeah. I'm sure there's ample fanfic I've chosen to not seek it out. I think it's very clear that Deuteronomy and Gus had something going on at some point. Yeah. That leg kick up in the air doesn't come from nowhere. Yeah, it really doesn't. <laughs> When you started watching this, I mean, I guess probably during the Rowdy screenings even, or in the screening series, were there things that you started to see more of that you maybe missed the first time or two? You really see something new every time. You see something new and also have new questions. Mm -hmm. There are so many strange background details. Everyone in this cast is acting their heart out. You could watch almost any cat the entire time, and they're doing their best. Yeah, like you could have a different experience if you focus. Like, I think part of it for me comes from them being dancers where they're used to using like their whole instrument. So if you just watch Robbie Fairchild the entire movie, like you could go on a singular journey with him. Right. And. In any given song, there are tons of weird little details that you start to notice as they're happening. I didn't notice. It was actually one of my fairly regular viewers because I do have some people who join repeatedly due to I can't imagine what. You know, someone pointed out last week that Mr. Mistopheles, uh coat waist jacket mm -hmm. I, i'm not familiar with whatever that is has the suits of cards on it in sequins and i'd never noticed that oh cool yeah i haven't either yeah there's always something new and horrifying to notice so suffice to say i feel like with most movies if you see it enough times you might get a little bit bored do you feel like you've gotten bored like has this strange spectacle gotten kind of routine at all I mean, I, I think I would be bored watching it by myself repeatedly, but you don't watch it by yourself. It's, it's something you watch as a group, and the group viewings don't get boring. There's always someone making a new comment, uh, making a new observation, so it doesn't get old. I think it would certainly get quite old if I were watching it, just actually watching the movie repeatedly. 
Yeah, that makes sense. It's kind of one that the response that's grown up around it seems to be like one of socially celebrating it or making fun of it together. Right. What is the vibe of the folks, like newcomers or the ones who come back? What's the vibe in the like reaction chat while you all are watching together? I would say the newcomers are often a little bit scared. They've read about this. They know that there's much horror to come. They tend to be surprised by just how quickly we're launched into the full madness of cats. Multiple people have commented on, you know, they'd read that there were dancing cockroaches, but like they didn't realize it was going to be right up there near the beginning. Tom Hooper does not ease you into his world. I think you tweeted one person's reaction saying it just begins like this. Right. It comes at you from the very beginning. I would say conservatively that approximately 90% of people watching have ingested some sort of (laughs) mind-altering substance, either legal or illegal. Mm -hmm. So it's not like people are showing up to cats fully serious and sober. Yeah, they're not there to sit in silence and have a very analytical experience necessarily. Like they know the vibe or they're curious enough that they're willing to give it a shot, whatever it might be. And sometimes they they give me new inspiration. Um, about a month ago, I made some offhanded comment, I think, about how this song isn't even the horniest song. And that week's viewers insisted that I rank the cat songs by horniness. Yes. So I got to do a whole thread ranking all of the songs by horniness. This was, you know, a several hours long project for me. Mm-hmm. Which, again, you know, if you're watching us from a future year, if you've found this in a time capsule, let me be clear we're still in quarantine. There's so much free time. We're all so bored all the time. Like, it was lovely to have something to do for a few hours. And just looking at your list, I am shocked that number one for you is the transition of Old Deuteronomy to the Song of the Jellicles and the Jellicle Ball. Correct. You make a good case. There's Old Deuteronomy's arrival with them all like rubbing up against her, a kind of dance orgy. But you also say that it is uncomfortable. Are you, do, wait, do you not like seeing faux-human-cat hybrids rubbing up against each other? Look, I, you know, I consider myself a very sex-positive, <laughs> open, non-kink-shaming person. This is not good. You should not be into this. Please do not be into the cats with their CGI'd tails that weren't even there. <laughs> When they were doing it, just panting and thrusting and everyone rubbing up against her in an incredibly sexual way while singing about how she's their mom, maybe? Kind of. Like, is she their mom? Is she the leader of the cult? Is she their lover? Like, what's going on here? I mean, cats, as you point out, you've got Mungo Jerry and Rumpelteaser at number three. I think I might put it at number one because of my personal reaction to it. But like you say there, this is 
kind of turning into an incestuous threesome. But I think like cats, yeah, they, they don't understand genealogy or what relationships are. They they just see uh, another cat and they're like, I don't know, like like that cat, that cat looks good. And you're like, that's your father. Yeah. In this list, what do you think is your hottest take? I mean, I got a lot of pushback on the Rum Tum Tugger. Because you, you have it unranked. I have it unranked because the Rum Tum Tugger, it should be the horniest song. It is about the Rum Tum Tugger who is, you know, a horny cat in a way that others aren't. Perhaps I would say he's sexual cat. Uh, and I've seen clips from the Broadway show and it is very horny and sexual. And the song in the movie is just, as Jenny Any Dots might say, a bit neutered. Mm. I know they did actually have to Photoshop out <laughs> certain parts of that song. That's right. Reduce a bulge. Reduce the bulge. <laughs> but it's just, it should be a lot hornier, but watch that and watch Old Deuteronomy arriving and try to tell me that Old Dude is not a hornier song. I can see where you're coming from because Rum Tum Tugger, he's very magnetic. The other cats are drawn to him. You've got explicitly like shots where he's on the milk bar countertop and you've got all these women below him like looking up at him adoringly like fans at a concert. And he calls out Victoria, flirts with her a little bit, but he's so non-committal that he's kind of at a distance from everyone. I mean, in a way he's talking about how great he is, that's how he delivers it, but he's also talking just about himself and how he's very indecisive. And decisiveness, or at least emotional availability, is sexy. So I think maybe there's just so much more physical chemistry in other songs, especially old Deuteronomy. Yeah, there's not as much rubbing, there's not as much <laughs> gyrating. <laughs> I'm sorry, what are we... I'm, I just had a moment where I'm flashing out of this conversation and be like, what are we even talking about? This is a movie? Even though I would say there's so little chemistry between Taylor Swift's Bumble Arena and Idris Elba when they're dancing, they just feel like best friends there in a way that I would have never thought those two actors could be playing in a movie. Yeah, there's, there's still more sex appeal there. Yeah. I mean, she's got heels. She's got heels. She's got the hips. It's very seductive. Yeah. So you've been at this a while, and I wonder, you know, you're, you're sharing it online and, and people have their reactions of horror curiosity. Uh, what about friends and family who know that you're doing this and doing it weekly? Like, what do they think about <laughs> your project? Uh, well, I don't, I don't know that any of my friends and family who aren't also my online people know this. You know, some of the people who come are people I know offline, but they're generally friends I made on Twitter. Oh, that's cool. Who who have become offline friends. I guess the big exception would be my girlfriend, who, when I started this, was not living with me, uh, and then was with me, but in quarantine. So she would join my viewings on a separate computer on the other side of the house. Mm. And is now living with me and sometimes comes and joins, but sometimes retreats into the bedroom far away from me and whatever it is I'm doing. So she needs to take a break sometimes from the cats? Yeah, you know, I, I think she is perhaps a somewhat 
more healthy and stable person than I am. So <laughs> I think we need to normalize that multiple, multiple viewings of cats, especially if you're like building a community, like you're not doing it solo obsessively. You're bringing people into the world of cats like you're, you're it's a it's a socialization thing, just like, I guess, cat society. I'm performing a public service, really. Yes. Just filing that away for my future use with my girlfriends. <laughs> So you're seeing this weekly, not always engaging as much with it as you did the first time. Do you have a a different kind of pop culture diet in between, like during the week, TV shows or movies, or is it just like only cats? Are you asking if I watch other things between my cat showings? Yes. <laughs> yes, I do. I do. Okay. I watch plenty of normal television and, you know, the occasional movie although really who can focus for that long these days yeah i I feel i just want to make it clear to you and the listener because i feel bad i feel i feel like i'm coming at this like it sounds like i'm being judgmental or like overly concerned but i'm running a podcast all about the movie cats so no judgment at all no 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 criticism. no i i it would be very understandable if you were judging but also you know as you said you have a podcast about this so yeah i think it's cool i think it's admirable i i don't know if i could do what you do few can <laughs> as far as your your taste goes generally do you tend to go for train wreck movies are those or like musical is even are, are there things about the cats movie that you find appealing in other movies or shows uh i mean i like musicals in general i always have though i cannot sing i was a fact that has surprised no one ever the stage manager for musicals in high school i just told other people what to do but i, I don't generally gravitate towards these sorts of train wrecks i don't watch a lot of movies these days really but there's nothing about cats that would make me think this is a typical me movie it's very much outside of my normal viewing in every way oh okay cool you kind of stumbled into what's becoming a cult movie before it became one yeah, you know, I like to think that I am helping bring people into the cults. Oh, yeah. Helping bring people into the cults about the movie featuring a death cult. Yeah, I am curious if you ever dip your toe into more big catastrophe or kind of cult movies, if you would enjoy them or not, or if just like Cats alone is like captured a magic for you. I mean, I think my understanding of most of those movies is they don't have cgi tales it's just such a perfect matchup of its disastrous animation which is to be clear no fault of the animators on the movie who as i understand it were not given sufficient time to make this thing no but it's a disaster of that it's a disaster in terms of the props which are completely random sizes it's a disaster in terms of the base. You know, as I said, it's a racist dude's poems that Andrew Lloyd Webber then took a bunch of cocaine and decided to make into a musical. There's just so many layers of disaster. And then you add on the fact that everyone's taking it really seriously. Yeah, I think that is sometimes what 
really makes a cult movie become reach that status. Like you need to have so many things going wrong, but behind it, genuine effort by either the director or someone involved where they're like, they really think that what they're making is good. Yeah, everybody took this very seriously. Ian McKellen acted his heart out, and I will be forever bitter that he did not receive an Oscar for Meow, 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 Meow. The <laughs> single greatest line delivery of all time. Oh, yeah. And it makes me mad that, that like, you know who, but like a couple of actors, even in the movie, are kind of like half in it. They're like, mm, I'm here, but we all know this is a joke. Like, I'm going to give my effort in the song, but like, maybe I've got some sarcastic comments that director will then throw in as like riffs. Tom Hooper and his riffs, man. I, I think it might have been you who observed that he's really uncomfortable with musicals. He doesn't like making movies about musicals, it seems. Yeah, yeah. Our previous guest, Kaylee Donaldson, put it really well. And sh she even observed this about Les Mis, that like, he doesn't seem to like musicals in the way that like most people do. Uh, and like, like something different about it and is showcasing it in this weird way that does not highlight all the things that people generally like about musicals, like the spectacle, like real singing. He's going for something different. And I think maybe here, his interpretation is skewed in a different direction. I mean, he, he interrupts, I think, maybe every single song with some weird interlude, whether it's mice talking in the background or a whole little cut to Jenny Any Dots making a gratuitous neutering joke and then also doubling down with a hand gesture just in case we weren't clear on that oh my i for so long i never caught the hand gesture only like maybe on the last viewing which was joining you for the the zoom uh watch along did i catch that oh yeah she really wants to make sure you got her funny joke <laughs> A couple of the times he's kind of breaking up the song to deal with a plot element of like, okay, he's going to send Jenny Annie Dots over to the barge. So Rebel Wilson uh, doesn't need to be part of this sequence of the movie. So she can only be there for the four days she's filming. Um, but other times it's like, yeah, cutting over to her, just having like a riff that makes fun of the dancing seemingly that like Jason Derulo is going hard at. Like why undercut that? It's totally a mystery, you know, and you have the same thing in Bustafer Jones. You're having the song and then you stop for him to glug champagne and go, thanks, Tugger. Like, <laughs> yeah. why was this necessary? I do, I do not know. But uh, I feel very confident because you were able to, like, call out individual lines like that, that... I, I was thinking if you've seen this 20 plus, possibly 30 times, that you might know this movie pretty well. And, and so I did prepare a quiz uh, for you because I, I think only someone who's seen the movie this amount of times would be able to pull out like individual lines and know the speaker, the scene, maybe even a rough time code. So th that is what I would like to play now if you are down. Sure. Uh, the only time code I know is where the butthole is, but... Oh, yeah. <laughs> Do you know roughly what that time code is? Uh, so when I'm watching, I advise people to start watching closely or, if possible, slow down their stream at about 3120. And then, you know, 
I will try to get people to to pause and I will say, you know, and if you look over in this area, which I'm not telling, I'm I'm keeping it vague to try to lure people to my weekly screening so that they can get the info about where the butthole is. Yeah, and some people think they might want to know. I'm just also warning, it's your choice if you've looked over to that side of the screen. You can't unsee it. That's not a thing we can do. No. Mm-mm. You might think you want it. Everyone wants the butthole cut, but once you've seen it, did did you want it? <laughs> That's how I felt. All right, so time time for this quiz. I don't have a name for this quiz, but it is about how well you know this movie. Uh, so I'll play a clip, and then if you can, I would love for you to name uh, who's speaking, what scene it's from, and then I'll give you a multiple choice on the time code after that to see if you know it like that granularly. Okay. You are the Jellicle choice. Okay, well, that's easy. Obviously, that's Duty Dench, old Deuteronomy, mm-hmm. speaking near the end of the film, although not as near to the end as you might think, explaining to or informing... Grizabella that she is the Jellicle choice. Yes, that is exactly what's happening. And Cats, uh, as a movie, is, you know, an hour and 50 minutes. So that's 110 minutes. If you had to guess among, among these four time codes, which would it be? 80 minutes, 100 minutes, 95 minutes, or 91 minutes? I'm trying to think because the credits are quite long. Yeah, they've got all those, all the VFX artists who worked very, very hard. Who worked very, very hard, and we love them. And if any of them ever want to join the screening, I will welcome them with open arms. Yes. And happily, you know, send them a cup of coffee or a drink, probably a drink. Uh, It's probably, it's 150 minutes, and the latest one you're giving me is 95? Oh, uh, it's an hour and 50 minutes, so 110 minutes. 110 minutes. Okay, that makes a lot more sense. Thank Wait, is that you, how math works? 60 plus 50? Yes, 110 yes, minutes. Yes, 110 minutes. Thank you. Um, I'm going to say 97. Very close. It was 91, but like... 91, okay. <laughs> that's super close. Okay, clip number two. Who was she? She used to be the star of the windmill. Then she went with McCavity. Now she lives on the wasteland. <laughs> yeah, um, that was Victoria talking to the Jellicle tribe. Uh, I believe Monkestrap. We, we don't actually learn all of the cat's names, which is a little odd. Yeah, that his name is never said, I think. But he's explaining to her who Grizabella was. And what has happened to her now. Exactly. And you can you can almost sense how proud they are to be name-checking another T.S. Eliot poem, The Wasteland. Oh, God, of course. Yeah. Yeah. That, that detail can't be actually in the musical. Oh, I wonder. I have never seen the musical and will never see the oh, musical. Really? I refuse oh. to learn anything about the musical. I do not acknowledge its existence, um, but I, I believe that it was something that was added by our dear friend, Timothy Hooper. Yeah, I can't see anything online about that. So you, okay, this is, this is really interesting. So you are content and so happy with 
okay relatively uh you've had your experience with cats the movie you don't want it changed or in any way modified by cats the musical i mean i don't think it could get any better slash worse so what would be the point really yeah okay uh so for this one do you think do you think this clip comes at minute 15 26 37 or 46 26. That is right. So glad that I have this <laughs> knowledge in my brain. I'm suddenly realizing it's like, is this quiz a wake up call? You know, I've been trying to figure out a way to monetize this, like for charity or something, but yeah. So far, it's just useless knowledge. No, this, any good obsession needs to be in our capitalist society, needs to be monetized in some way. All right, clip three. Where is she? We don't know. Where is she? <laughs> it sounds kind of like Batman a little bit. Where is she? This is um, talking to yelling at Bungo Jerry and Teaser after Old Dude has been cavityed away and trying to find out where she is. But they didn't know he was going to take Old Dude. That's true. That's exactly what he says next. Just a bit of fun. Didn't know he was going to take old dude. We just thought he was going to drug everyone. <laughs> Not the greatest defense of all time. Yeah, conceivably, like, they are... The way it's hinted at in the movie, the lineage, the way it, like, cuts over to Mongo Jerry and Teaser when I think they're singing about Old Deuteronomy's progeny. Like, they could be her kids or, or grandchildren. And so what a, what a betrayal of her, their family. Yeah, it's really, really very disappointing behavior on their part. Yeah. Okay, do you think this comes at minute 52, minute 67, 86, or minute 101? So, You Are the Jellicle Choice was 91. Well, this is before that. I'm going to say 86. 86 is correct. Yes. Where's old Doot? Where's old Uh, Okay, clip four. The moments of happiness. We had the experience, but missed the meaning. Oh, God, that's old Doot singing when she's, like, watching Victoria and Grizabella outside yeah yeah and it's the most like it's a sing-songy little no one knows what's going on why this is happening kind of thing yeah uh do you think this comes at minute 32 minute 40 minute 56 or minute 71 56 Ooh. oh no wait it is 56 yeah (laughs) uh clip five caught me that twice now puss in spats like it's sort of a joke and i rather like it so the joke's on him that would be Bustopher jones after he has been ineffable mm-hmm. talking about about how mccavity is trying to insult him by calling him puss in spats but it's not an insult at all and jokes on him and growl tiger's about to show up uh, you know all that good stuff. Yeah, plant that little fingernail right in his forehead. 
so do you think that is minute 12, minute no. 38, minute 50, or 38. minute... Yes, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the last one is a single word. Okay. What? What? <laughs> that would be uh, right up at the beginning of the movie. Near the beginning. Not the very beginning. I think probably I'm going to give away the time. I'm going to, okay, I'm going to change the time. Yes, you're right. I'm going to change my, my time <laughs> codes to not include ones from the end. See if we can get real difficult. Okay. okay. Is that minute one, six, ten, or minute 15? Minute 10? Oh, it's minute six. Oh, I felt like six was maybe too early, but you know. It's a movie where you just lose sense of time. And that song is is long. It has multiple parts to it, too. Yes. You know, that's why it's such really the most appropriate quarantine movie, because no one has had any idea what day or week or month or time it is since March. Yeah, I think we sometimes I'm like, aren't we in March? We're not. Uh, so excellent job. I didn't keep score at all because you did intensely well. No one can question your cat's credibility. Great. <laughs> Put that on my resume. Yeah, I mean, Cats Aficionado is your title. It is. <laughs> Whether or not you like it to be. Uh, do you have any cats in your life or have had any? Um, I've never had a cat myself. My girlfriend owns a cat who is currently not living with us due to apartment rules but we do get regular picture updates. Mm. And I'm excited when we move to be able to to live with a cat. I do like cats very much. I'm suddenly concerned. Is your frame of reference for cats in the real world this movie? They are different. I, I know that. <laughs> I, Probably. I know, I'm, I'm not expecting Chauncey to... Wait, the cat's start... name is Chauncey? The cat's name is Chauncey. My parents have a cat named Chauncey, too. No way. Yeah. What, what does Chauncey look like? She's a big floof ball. Just the fluffiest cat of all time. Oh, what color is she? My, mine is uh, a he. So I love that Chauncey is a gender neutral name. She's a uh, fluff colored. I don't. Uh, I mean, I can send you some pictures of her. Oh, sure, sure. Oh, see, okay, there is one There is one thing that I did not get to say. Mm -hmm. I frequently wonder if the people doing the animating and the costuming were aware of the words to the songs. For instance, Bustopher Jones explicitly sings about trousers, and no commonplace mousers have such well-cut trousers. Not wearing trousers. The McCavity lyrics describe McCavity in mm -hmm. very explicit detail, including some alarming chronology going on. <laughs> yeah. McCavity does not look like that. He's not a ginger cat. Like, why why did this happen? Why do you have descriptions of these cats that you just ignore? Yeah. Because on the one hand, they seem very precious about it when they're like, okay, Victoria needs to be a white cat. I like the idea that they're casting, like they can just like cast anyone, but in there they like don't make any pains to make Idris Elba's character like more ginger, I guess. 
more ginger, doesn't give him a coat that's dusty from neglect. Yeah, he looks great. His whiskers look fine to me. Like, there's there's nothing. And there's just really no excuse for not giving Bustopher Jones trousers. I, I want to talk to the costume people and find out what they were thinking there. My personal bet is that it comes from... It comes from the top down, like the care or the consistency, because there there are some choices made that kind of break with what the lyrics are implying. Like in the Bustopher Jones song, he's talking about the clubs he belongs to. And I think it, you kind of buy it or believe it in the musical. But there they've kind of translated that to be like the trash cans of the clubs, not that he actually belongs to any like dining establishments. Well, that's always the question, you know, is is Skimble actually a railroad employee or does he just hang out on the trains? It seems really unclear. Yeah, there's so <laughs> there's there's so much ambiguity and isn't the best art a little bit ambiguous? <laughs> Maybe the worst art. Who's to say? Yeah. Okay, I just sent you a picture over Twitter of Chauncey. Chauncey, okay, he he will never let me get close to him because he only likes my mom and my parents have three cats. Uh, the mom and then two of her children are the two boys. And yeah, he I that's like this is as close as I can get. He's terrified and just like runs away and hides. Oh, he's a cutie. Yeah, he's he's kind of a little golden tabby. But yes, I am looking forward to having Chauncey here so I can. Play with the kitty. Yeah. And I do encourage people to bring their cats to my weekly watch-alongs. Sometimes I've seen cats come hop up into someone's lap very excitedly. I've also seen cats take one look and just nope the fuck right out of there. (laughs) Get as far away as they can from whatever this abomination on the computer is. Yeah, some cats, like, they like to watch movies. Uh, I don't think I've heard of the movie Cats being one that they've cottoned to. No. Oh, I just I just sent you a photo of Toast just for... Just because that's my view <laughs> right now. Fluffy baby. Yeah. Yeah. I hope that you get to be around Chauncey full-time uh, quite soon, because, yeah, cats are great. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for talking about cats and your weekly watch along. If people want to come and, you know, watch cats and talk about it with people, how could they do that? Uh, They should shoot me a DM on Twitter. My at is at clap if you like me. Please do not DM me for random purposes. Please do not send me weird pictures unless they are of your cat, in which case, please do. Yeah, cats is a force for good. Don't don't misuse a, a cat's friendly channel of communication. <laughs> yes, I opened my DMs for this purpose, so please be respectful of that, and I will send them the link. It's Saturday night at 9 p.m. Eastern. Uh, sometimes the West Coast people do complain, but... I think it's the perfect time being on the West Coast because then you still have your evening ahead of you and you can decompress, you can process and not go to bed weirded out. That's a very good point. I think some of them object to the fact that it means they have to start drinking heavily at six (laughs) o'clock. Do you have, I feel like we've talked a lot about cats. Is there anything, any stray observations or just like burning feelings you have about the movie that we haven't talked about? You know, I don't think so. I feel like you've you've asked 
the questions that I would want ask, you know, you've allowed me to speak on my feelings about the horniness of the rum tum tugger or lack thereof. And obviously I've, you know, spewed out dozens, if not hundreds of tweets on this subject. So <laughs> what more is left to say? But uh, thank you for having me. This has been lovely. Uh, if you have any other questions, you know where to find me. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. It was a thrill to speak with Abby, and her Twitter is a must-follow. Currently, she's watching and commenting on Riverdale, which I also enjoy and really feels like it shares some DNA with cats. Now, after last episode skipping a certain segment, I must look to my conscience and responsibilities and appoint the Jolical Choice! But it's also kind of late, and the last cat interview I have recorded somehow was an hour? For what's supposed to be a 5-10 to ten minute segment? We talked for an hour? About a cat? I do not remember the conversation from last fall, but I clearly I enjoyed it. Well, that's also a lot of editing, and I really need to get back on Zillow, unfortunately. If you'd like to chat with me about your cat on the show, and if you liked what you heard today, please tweet about the show. Tag us and include a picture of your cat. Also, if you like the show, please subscribe and leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, where Toast would like to know, what's your skincare routine? <coughs> Toast says our original music is by Jeremy Nasato, and our show art is by Tyler Donnelly. Toast, you actually haven't gotten much of a chance to chime in this episode. How are you doing? I live my life a quarter mile at a time. <laughs> what? So this is why you wanted one of those animal soundboards from TikTok. Salute, me familia. Is it exclusively Vin Diesel quotes? I saw you watching when we had the movies on last week. I just didn't know they made this big an impression. The thing about street fights, the street always wins. Okay, well you're a fan, I gotta know. What did you think of my Vin in the cold open? Salute, me familia. Okay, okay. I don't have friends, I got family. I'm very happy you feel that way. I'm a boy who appreciates a good body, regardless of the mate. Okay, what's the next step here? You don't turn your back on family, even when they do. Well, it's just we don't need an interlocutor, and, you know, it's established that we have a Han Solo-Chewbacca relationship. I can interpret your meows. That is canon. Salute, me familia. Okay, I'm just curious, where's the off button for this thing? Is it this big one? Oh, that's not the off button.
Okay, did you know Vin Diesel's given name was Mark Sinclair? Vin Diesel fits him so much better, but I kind of understand. It makes it easier to see him as another human being that I share a species with. Yeah, it takes away some of his iconic status, kind of brings him down to regular human level. Like him being a big Dungeons and Dragons fan, I can better reconcile that with Mark Sinclair. Oh yeah, he had a show on YouTube called D and Diesel. And I think because of Chronicles of Riddick bringing it back to cats, he introduced Dame Judi Dench to Dungeons and Dragons. Okay, I need to know more about this. I searched for Judi Dench and Dungeons and Dragons. Underground Online in 2004. Quote, I was literally playing Dungeons and Dragons with Judi Dench and Carl Urban at nights after shooting. Okay, I think we need to talk to Carl Urban. He can confirm or deny this. This article, I wonder if it's apocryphal. Okay. Oh no, Judy Dench hasn't played Dungeons and Dragons. The full quote, oh. He's talking metaphorically. He's talking about world building. It's analogous to Dungeons and Dragons. Oh no. Okay, so this interview with Sean Adler, I think is the root of all this misunderstanding because people love to quote this now. I don't know if it's true. Sean's asking, is it true you're really into Dungeons & Dragons? Vin cops to being a huge D&D nerd. Sean asks, did you bring that fantasy element to Riddick? He says that the idea of elementals, which came from Dungeons & Dragons, informs Judy Dench's character. And then, okay, the relevant quote. Sean asks, having passed on X 2 oh, how much is personally at stake for this franchise to take off? Oh, Vin, I don't see it like that. I see it like... Going back to D&D, this wasn't like creating a movie. This was like creating a universe. I've already won. The idea that I was able to do this from nothing. I mean, I was literally playing Dungeons and Dragons with Judy Dench and Carl Urban at nights after shooting. I will tell you that I was showing her Dungeons and Dragons books and showing her the different properties of elementals. Call me crazy. I don't think they were actually playing after shooting, but doing world building for themselves in this universe and he was framing that world building in the context of Dungeons and Dragons. Oh no. Sci-fi.com in 2004. Diesel added that his only regret was that he wasn't able to get Dench involved in a game of his beloved D&D. Quote, like I said, she doesn't... <laughs> like I said, she doesn't play Dungeons and Dragons. No, I'm not going to do the voice. Like I said, she doesn't play Dungeons and Dragons, and she doesn't necessarily play video games, but she's intrigued. Did he try to get her to play? Almost, he said. If it was up to me, I would have. Huh. 